This is the GGC Life Podcast. We just felt in our heart that this morning was going to be like a faith-filling morning. And, and there's, a, there's something about hearing what God's uh, sharing through many different people, like this shared vision. I believe there's a shared vision that we're carrying together. Um, but So I'm going to start by inviting up Vanessa, uh, my wife. She's also on this uh, leadership team. So come up, Vanessa. Why don't you make her feel welcome? Very good. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Um, I'm going to pray for you, and then uh, we'll get someone else up after. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you uh, for the word that you're going to bring through your leaders, different leaders this morning. We receive it, both Vanessa and the other people, other guys that are coming up to share. We just receive what you're going to share to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Are you guys excited? I, I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm just like excited for this miracle to take place. Like we get to be part of such an incredible miracle. I'm really excited. I'm excited. Um, it's exciting. It just feels like this is one of the biggest achievements in my life personally, that I get to sow into this and I get to be a part of something that's going to outlast my life, that's going to um, build something that's going to be sustained, build something that's going to stay, build something that's, that, that can't be moved because it's here. It's physical, but it's going to be spiritual as well. Um, and it, it, it's, it's not for us. It is for us, but it's not for us. Um, this is really, truly going to outlast us. Some of you people have been here for maybe 20 years, maybe 15 years, maybe five, maybe three. I don't even know. I think I've been here for like seven um, it's not about you and your legacy or you and your future. It's about God's legacy and God's kingdom and the people that are out there still waiting to be found and the city that we are going to be able to transform with this partnership together and with his kingdom. Um, our treasure is heaven. Our treasure is heaven. And um, what we do with our finances really reflects if we truly believe that our treasure is heaven. And I feel so convicted by this. When, we're, when I was in Bible college, um, we had a, a trainer and he would say, show me your bank statement and I'll show you where your heart is. And I was like, if he sees my bank statement, he's going to know how much money I waste. And, it, and I spent a lot of money on a lot of nothing. Um, and it was, it's a convicting thing and it, it stuck with me because our finances truly does reflect our heart position. It truly does reflect what we say we believe. Do we back up what we say we believe? Leon and I, are, um, <laughs> we're yet to purchase a physical house. Um, and we have our goals and we have things that we're working towards. But if I'm being completely honest with you and being, being really transparent, it, it, it is hard to like look in our physical thing and think, okay, God... How is this ever going to happen? But I would rather that not happen and I would rather sow and we've sown our savings into this. And I, I mean that honestly, it's hard. <laughs> it's a hard reality, but, but I know that the fruit of this and I know that me seeking him first, he's going to look after me. I know that he's told me to build his house and he will build my house. Look after his kingdom purpose and he will look after you. And I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in their life. I've seen it in many people's life and I have the faith to do this. And it is scary. It's not easy. It's supposed to hurt, but it's actually so exciting. It's so exciting to be like, yes, God, I trust you. Yes, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to test my heart. I'm going to test what I treasure and I'm going to put you first. We have an opportunity to test and to grow and to mature into the bride that he's called us to be. Like this is an incredible opportunity for us. And I, yeah, I'm just excited. I'm really excited. Um, 
three years ago when we had our, or was it two years ago, our first giving? Um, someone gave a word about the, the, the five fish and the two loaves. And I don't remember exactly what they said, but I remember what hit me was the little boy gave his lunch and that's what fed the crowd. Um, but it's not a little boy's job. It's not my son's job to provide for me. It's not the little boy's job to provide. So if we don't do our part as the parents of the, of the children out there in the world, if we don't do our part as the mother and fathers, they're going to have to sacrifice later on. So I want to do my part and I want us to do our part so that these children who are out there wandering the streets, who are out there who are lost, and the physical children who are downstairs in kids' church and wherever they might be in the wombs and everywhere, I want to do my part so that the children don't have to do their part. Jesus said to his disciples, are you going to feed them? And they said, what? It's not my job to feed them. It's actually our job to feed them. It's actually our job to feed them and to make a space. So, yeah, I think that's all I have to share. But, um, yeah, I just want you to be excited. And also, I also want to thank and honor Leo and Christine because... Like, I don't think I even realized how much my faith has grown in the past few months and years and, and whatever, since being here. And, and we actually are being matured. We actually are being molded into Christ in our giving and in our stretching and in our faith. This is actually what he wants from us. So thank you. Thank you for stretching us. Thank you for pushing us. And thank you for creating this opportunity and space for us to grow and learn and to take this into all areas of our life. Really, really honour you for that. Very good. Awesome. Uh, we're going to do a lot of sit-standing because I want to uh, really honour the different people that are coming up this morning. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this morning we've also got Jade, who is the Director of School Supernatural Ministries here at GGC. Bring it away. Why don't you stand to your feet? Make her feel welcome. Come on, Jade. Take it away, my friends. Hallelujah, Jesus! He is amazing, is he not? So earlier this week, I was just praying, praying. And as I prayed, as many of you have been, the Lord gave me three words. First word, I just sensed the joy of the Father. I just sensed him, sensed him smiling at us as a church because we were becoming like him. We were becoming generous, more generous like him. And he was showing me, Jade, it's not about the house that you're, not about the building that you're buying actually. Why I've included all of you with this opportunity to sow into the kingdom is because I'm training you to be exactly like the Father. I'm training you to become rivers of wealth transfer, rivers that is going to pour out blessing, not just for yourself and your families, but for the community, for the nation and for nations. Amen. We are more than just like, we don't need to be puddles storing up storehouses for ourselves. We're actually designed to be rivers of living water just like Jesus. And how fun is that He likes to give us different perspectives of the same Scriptures. He was showing me, you know, the 12 baskets of bread after Jesus multiplied the five loaves and the fish. And He showed me, I don't just want to meet your needs. I don't just want to have you eat until you're satisfied. I want you to flow in such a way that you're overflowing and you get to take back even 12 basketfuls that you didn't have before. That's Jesus. 
the generosity of Jesus. So well done, church, because I felt his joy. He was saying, you're stepping into new wineskin. You're operating like the Father and becoming a river of wealth transfer. Wealth transfer. You know, and I just felt also just the humility come upon me. And as I, he showed me the vision of this house. And he was saying, Jade, this is a house of revival. This is a house of extraordinary miracles. This is a house where he's provided for us to strategically reach the city, to train up revivalists and to also be an oasis for leaders coming from all around the world. There's such a great dream that he has for this house and that he's inviting each of us to become dream makers of God. There's no greater joy than to realise we get to make God's dreams come true. And that's actually the deepest dreams he's placed in you. But we need to step out in faith. We need to step out in obedience. And then the final word he showed me in prayer was he reminded me of this news article I read earlier this year. And it actually called Leichhardt a dead town, a ghost town, where businesses were leaving and there were no people. Like if you go to the, um, the Italian forum, there are no people there. And it used to be flourishing with life and the father said to me isn't it amazing that I'm making a stake in the ground in a place that is known as a dead city because he wants to pour out his resurrection life into Leichhardt you realize he's placed us as a church his church here so that we can release resurrection life into Leichhardt into the inner west into Sydney and into all of Australia So us partnering in, sowing a seed and letting it be buried in the ground with God is He is going to do a mighty work in Leichhardt. And mark my words, we're going to see Leichhardt flourish like never before because resurrection power is being planted in the ground and your seed is watering that stake in the ground. So thank you, Father. Open our eyes to what you want to do. And thank you that you're leading us to be rivers of wealth transfer, Father God. You're teaching us to be just like Jesus, a place of multiplication, a place of generosity, and a place leading and funding revival and resurrecting this city. Amen. Come on. It's a good word. I got something real short and brief to share. Have you ever been in an argument and um, you realize that you're wrong, but you just don't want to give it up, so you just keep going? Um, I felt like God was uh, sharing this word with me, that he's called us to be people that just give it up, give up the thing that we were never meant to carry. I'm reminded of how uh, Saul tried to put on uh, his armor on David to prepare him for battle, and it's like God, God hadn't called David to carry that. I'm reminded of how uh, the fishermen had to drop their fishing nets to go and, and, and leave everything behind to go and follow Jesus and become his followers. Um, and I think about the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I've, I've, um, I've, I've obeyed every commandment. And then Jesus says, that's great. That's incredible. Now go sell all that you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And that illustration of how it's harder for a rich man to enter into uh, the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to enter the eye of the needle expresses the fact that 
the camel must uh, take everything off, strip itself just to get into the city, to fit through those city doors. And it's, a, it's an encouragement and a challenge to us to see, are we the type of people that can give up what we were never meant to carry? The burden of the world, the things that hold us back, um, tying ourselves to the world will only slow us down. He's not called us to anchor ourselves to this world, but he's called us to anchor ourselves to heaven. And I was at youth camp, I think it was this year, um, and, I, and there was this cool game that they were playing where they had to jump in a life raft and get out onto this gross like pond to get, get out and... Uh, I think they had to go retrieve something and bring it back. And so all the kids were inf- blowing up their inflatable life rafts and they're, they're, they're rowing and they're, they're doing all right, but it's, quite, it's a quite a slow process. And then uh, Rockwell, Brennan and Christina's son, he's just like, okay, stop this. And he jumps into the gross pond and he just swims to go retrieve this thing. And you know, like sometimes there's things that at once were useful, like, you know, like a, a donut, like an inflatable donut that helps us stay afloat. Those things can actually become hindrances to what God is calling us to do. And so if we're not able to get rid of things, if we're not able to lay things down, it can actually slow us down um, from achieving all that he's called us to be and do. And so my encouragement is to give it up. Uh, when we give it up, we open up to a greater future. We tie ourselves to a greater destiny. We're anchored to a higher purpose with an immeasurable impact. And uh, this is the sort of vision that I'm seeing for the future. You know, Vanessa said this, like, when we're talking next generation, we're not talking just biological generation Eliases and uh, Adriels and all these young little beautiful babies. We're talking about the harvest that is yet to be harvested. We're talking about a new flow of, of believers being saved, a whole new wave of revival, a new wave of ministers being raised up. And so th- I'm just going to read through this and hand it over. I see different faces carrying weightier calls. This is what I see for the next generation. I see different faces carrying weightier calls than we ever have. I see men and women, sons and daughters, saints, empowered to be truly, uh, to truly transform this city, this nation, and even beyond our borders. I see a healthy church who takes responsibility to make disciples of all nations. I see an obedient church who doesn't water down their great commission. I see a Bible-based Holy Spirit-empowered school, equipping believers, developing world-class leaders, a true catapult and catalyst for significant change in our world. I also see a people who choose flowing rivers over stagnant waters. I see a church who successfully embodies the new covenant desire of our Lord to administrate the coming kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I see a new wave of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers ordained and released that we as a local church would have a global impact. I think God has called us to be a launching pad unlike what we've seen in years gone by. And I hear him say this, don't merely point to other models and what you've seen before. Be encouraged, but seek my face. For if you are willing, I will use this house to usher in great, great things. I see church plants. I see mission work, orphanages, uh, rehab centers, jail ministries, halfway homes, care for the homeless, truly restorative works in this city. I see a church who works to bring inner healing in the lives of believers and non-believers alike. I see a church who will not allow the cost of a building to hold back the works of the Lord. I see a church that would truly testify to the glory of God, that no man or woman be in lack, but that we demonstrate the abundant life that Christ called us to. And so I believe this, that purchasing this place to call home 
is an opportunity to walk through the door into that inheritance. So practically, just so you know, the financial weight of hosting a local church in the inner west would surprise you, just bills-wise. The median rent for venues in this, uh, you know, venues of this caliber in this area, it's like half a mil to a mil annually. It's a silly amount. Our, our uh, financial advisor had a look at our books and he said, compared to every other church that I'm looking at, your uh, employment uh, outgoings ratio to um, income is ridiculously low. Like we're, we're obviously a lot of our money is going to bills. And I just feel like God desires that we turn that around, that 500K to a million for our empowerment, that we would take 500K to a million worth of income to advance the kingdom annually and more. There's a truly empowering reality and a heavenly wisdom to his desire to see us purchase a home, to own land so that way we may not be subject to such things, but be empowered. Um, Why don't we welcome mum up to share a word of encouragement. Why don't you stand to your feet? Bring it on mama. Bring it on. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) I'm just stirred hearing what Leon just... um, prophesied over us. And um, whew, um, I got this word where it says that um, in order for God to bless us, He needs our participation. He needs yours and my participation in different forms and different ways. I want to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 31. It says this, uh, but the Lord your God Himself will cross over ahead of you this is what Moses was t- uh, telling the children of Israel that the Lord would do. He says, But the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. The Lord will destroy the nations living uh, living in the land just as he uh, destroyed Shion and Og. And then I want to go into Joshua chapter 6. And I want to bring two things up to you. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings and all the strong warriors. How many of you know, before I read further, how many of you know that many times God has spoken and yet sometimes it can be a scary thing to step across the line. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, God had already spoken to Moses. Now God is speaking to Joshua. Guess what? I've done it all. But guess another one. It requires yours and mine participation. It had to do, they had to still go in. God said, I have given you the victory. I have conquered the enemies. I have plundered the land. He's done everything. I'm going to give victory into your hand because I've done it all. But guess what? You're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to put one foot in front of the other and know that I've gone before you and made the crooked part straight, so to speak, right? So, and he says, you you are to march around Jericho six times and on the seventh day you are to walk around it seven times and when the priests blow their horns you are to give this shout like none other and you're going to watch the walls come down. 
But when Joshua went and spoke to his people after giving all those instructions as Lord had commanded, I want to say something. I want to read something to you. Sorry, one second. It says here, Joshua said, you're not to open up your mouth. You're not to say a word while we're going around Jericho. Why do you think he said that? Why did Joshua say to the people, you are not to utter a word? There's nowhere, when you read up, nowhere does it mention why it was done. But I personally believe when I was spending time with God, you know, what happens is when doubt enters our heart or our mind kind of thing, we tend to vocalize it. So, uh, you know, they could have easily have been going around Jericho here. God told us to take it on, but what on earth are we doing? Why are we taking on this building? Why are we going around Jericho? Instead, they were to keep their mouth shut because we're human beings. We are sure to complain. We're sure to doubt. And it wasn't allowed to come out of our mouth. Our confession is so powerful. So I want to say this morning to you, sons and daughters, families, brothers and sisters, as we take on what God has called us to take on, I want to say to you all, let's not you know, talk to our spouses negatively or to our friendship groups negatively. Doesn't matter what the enemy is lying to you in, in between your years. We are to speak faith. And we are to speak live in order to take what God has called us to take. You know, we can stand up here, we can give, but, uh, you know, giving is nothing if our confession is contrary to what is being given. If we give and we complain with our mouth and saying, what on earth are we doing? We still have 1.5 to race. Guess what? What you've given becomes null and void. I'm telling you this morning, God has given us power over what we speak. You are to speak life over your family, over your circumstances, about the inheritance we're about to take. It's not Honestly, you are going to face doubts and things like that in our heads. We, you know, any given moment there are doubts flying through our heads, but it doesn't mean to say it has to be spoken through our lips. Your words have power. Your words have power. So this morning, I feel like, you know, just as Joshua instructed, there were so many instructions given from Vanessa to Jade to Leon to many others. My input, what God was saying, instruct my people not to open their mouths in fear, in doubt, or in any other thing other than just giving him praise for what he has done and what he's yet to do. Can we make a commitment as a church to speak life over our life and the finances and over this church and what we are about to take over? Amen. Thank you, guys. Stand to your feet, please, as we welcome Leo and the Word of God. We get to stretch our legs, get the blood pumping. You can take your seats, please. Thank you, guys. Um, if I can just maybe ask, maybe we can go for an extra 10 minutes, maybe today. We'll, um, 
just um, it's, it's really important what's happening, what God is doing. And um, when I think about all that, you know, what, what it's all about, I think, you know, the video that we watched, that seven-minute video of the story gives a bit of the context of the story, where we've come from, where we trust God, where we're going. And it started with me getting saved. And, and, and why, why do I felt, and after I got saved, after three years, God radically changed my life. I wanted the same message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, this good news. We've all got good news to carry. I wanted this gospel to impact other people. I thought, Lord, you transform my life. What is it about? What's this whole reason? Why do we give the way we give? It's because I want the same, same gospel that changed my life, Jesus Christ who changed my life. I wanted that to change other people's lives. And that's why I said yes to the Lord. I said yes to that call. In my mum's, started in mum's lounge room. Why? Because we want to see people's lives change. That nothing's changed. We still want to see people saved. We want to see people's lives transformed. We, we see marriages restored. We see marriages that were on the brink of divorce brought back together with hope and vision. We've just seen so many things, healings and miracles, physical healings. But salvations is one of the greatest miracles that you and I will watch. We take for granted. I'm just saying about Ashley's, Dean and Ashley's little baby that's getting formed in, because she's about to pop and... and, and and it's a miracle. The Bible says that, that, that God, he, he knits us together in our mother's womb. That's a miracle. We can take for granted. That itself is a miracle. New life being born. Every time one person gets saved, was going to hell, and now going to heaven. That's a massive, mighty miracle. And when, when we give to God in this context... You're giving to the kingdom, the purpose of the kingdom, the purpose of the church, purpose of the house. Why do we even exist? This physical building, I, I try to remind us, it's a physical building. That's why I don't call it the church, because that's not the church. This is a physical building, but it, it's, it's a tool. We need a physical building, and we can use it as a tool, but it's a physical building. We, the people... That gather, the, the called out one, the, the word church means the ecclesia. You are the ecclesia. You're the church. You and I are the church. And so when we as the church, because no, no one person will own this property. We, we as the church, if one day we ever sell this property to buy another property to have church, it stays in the, the, the church's asset, if that makes sense. No one person could own it. So if you recently joined us and you just part, and you, you know, if I was recently joined us, I'd, I'd probably ask questions too. If you want to ask questions, feel free to ask questions. The way we've structured, it's a non-for-profit. It, we've been operating as a church of non-for-profit for many, many years. But no one person could possibly ever own any of this money. You can't get in, you can't touch it. Why? Because you're giving it to the church, the church's people. Remember that, church's people. Do we need this building? Of course, 100% we need this building. Because we need to gather and we want to impact the next generation. We want to we, we see, I mean, we've seen our, our, our children grow up in the house of God and, and be tra trained and equipped and growth, maturity has happened into them. And now the next generation. So when we give, we give for the next generation. You might not even be here, but, the, 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 but you're still empowering the church. I wonder, I, I look at... I look at other guys that have planted many, many churches. We planted, we planted two churches in the life of our history of our church. And, I, and I, I can see sons and daughters, many, many sons and daughters rise up 
in our midst where we equip and train and they'll plant many churches in this city, in this nation and the nations of the world. We'll be a training, equipping them. You think, well, it's, it's, it, it, wouldn't that take a long time? No. It's something about that stake in the ground, something about when you do get that place. Well, imagine this place. We're worshiping God in this place two, three times on a Sunday, full with people. And then we raise up sons and daughters to plant sites, to plant churches, to, to disciple this city. God will speed up the work that what we've seen in the past. He'll speed it up because we, 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 we're counted trustworthy with what we've been given. When God wants to do something, He wants to do something completely... Um, he, when He sets us free, He sets us completely free. He actually wants to keep, get us completely free from financial debt. You know that. Not just as a church, I'm talking about yourself as well. He wants you to be, but, but you've got to learn. You have to grow. You have to train. You have to, you have to know how to think right. You have to think kingdom. You have to think the way God thinks. Or else we're always going to be a slave to the lender. And there's, there is a reality that we have to pay. Uh, at the moment, we're paying 200 and we're now $260,000 to pay rent for this building. But once we own it, that money goes to pay it off. Again, it goes into our future. It goes into the future of the church because we're paying off the building. But, but um, what was I saying? The, the, the fact that, that you can be a slave to the lender. God doesn't want you to be a slave to the lender. He doesn't even want us as a church to be a slave to a lender. He doesn't want you to be a slave to a lender, but we have to, we have to grow. We have to be trustworthy with what he has given us. If you quickly look at Luke um, 16, just quickly, and we'll try to wrap this up. Luke 16. Jesus says in verse 10, wonderful God, Luke 16, what does he say in verse 10? He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. Some of us want to be faithful over much, but we're not faithful with what he's already given us. Oh God, give me much, give me much, I want to be trusted with much. Be faithful in little things. Who is faithful in little things? will become faithful over much. Not, not, so I used to think, when I'm faithful in the little things, one day I'll become faithful over much. If you are faithful over, if you are faithful over, is, is means present tense, will be faithful over much. The fact that we aren't faithful over much is because we still have a master to be faithful over the little things. So be faithful over the little things, it starts there. And he who is righteous, sorry, unrighteous in the little things, is unrighteous in much. Therefore, if you had not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, Unrighteous wealth is this material wealth who will entrust you with the true riches. There's true riches and there's, there's unrighteous wealth. We're talking about true riches, and, but the unrighteous wealth reflects true riches, the way you treat unrighteous wealth. What does it say here? And if you have not been faithful in the use of which is another, someone else's, that belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And some translations say you can't serve God and money. Mammoth, mammoth. The spirit of mammoth is mammon, or mammon, thank you. The spirit of mammon is, can I tell you what it is? What Jesus coined it when he used Mark chapter 4? The deceitfulness of riches. And the deceitful, when you look at the deceitfulness of riches, it literally means to be deluded by riches. You know how you and I are deluded by riches? Other translation says being cheated by riches. You get cheated, you get deluded 
deceived when you believe that material wealth can give you what only God can give you. That's it. And what does that mean? When I lean into thinking material wealth will give me security. It won't, but we, we can be deceived by it. Thinking if I get material wealth, it'll give me security. It'll give me happiness. Surely it'll give me joy. It will give me freedom. No, it won't. You're deceived if you think that money will give it to you. Because wealthy, rich people can have a lot of money and it doesn't give them the freedom. You can still be worried about your money. You can still be full of, your, your, your security still based on wealth. And then you always need more. You always need more. You always, you never, it doesn't set you free. Only Jesus, only God can set you free. I really believe that with all my heart. So there's nothing wrong with having money. I, I believe money will empower you to do what's already in your heart. So wealth, physical wealth, in the glorious gospel church, will empower to, for us to do what's already in our hearts. That's why, that's why I can foresee, I can picture what Leon was talking about. When he's talking about, imagine instead of that, all that $500,000 surplus a year going into equipping the saints, preaching the gospel, going to the nations, putting on crusades, seeing people saved, discipling, planting churches. Imagine that, that wealth impacting the nations on purpose. And so that's what we are doing. You know, like, I think what's happening here is a response to God and it's a reflection. How do I say it this way? It is a fruit of revival. Because sometimes we go out the front, we get touched by God, by the Spirit of God, but there's no inner work of surrender. There's nothing really, not much happen if you don't surrender to the will of God. So when we obey God, we're saying, God, I'm putting your kingdom first. I'm putting your, your kingdom first. And I'll, I'll try to finish with this because we want to give some time and some, just time to meditate and, and even allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. If you haven't already, maybe you already have, maybe you already know exactly what you want to give because God's speak, spoken to you. We've been speaking on it for the last few weeks and everything. And we obviously encourage all of us, that whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you, to do that. And, I try, and, I'm, and I'm encouraging our faith, and I've said this a lot of times, I encourage our faith um, that it should move us. You know what I mean by that? It stretches us. Like what Vanessa said, it stretches our faith. It stretches us. It, it means something to us. Cornelius moved the Father in heaven to send an angel because of his prayer and almsgiving. It came up as a memorial before God. It means it brought, it brought it as a memory to God. It got God's attention. His actual giving got God's attention. So it's a spiritual thing. Very powerful. The widow with the two mites, it got Jesus' attention. And she, he said he, she, gave, she gave more than all these guys who put out of their surplus because it meant something to her. It, was, it stretched her faith. It wasn't just surplus. That I, 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 doesn't mean nothing. I'll just give that. So it's not about the amount. Let it move you. Because, again, for the kingdom's sake. There is uh, there's so much to say. Um, there is a scripture in 2 Corinthians. I just, I thought that this really stirred my heart because Paul's talking about giving and he's talking about their giving motivated other churches to give. And um, it goes on to say in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord begging us, listen to this, begging us with much urging for the favour or the honour of participation in the support of the saints. Begging. 
These saints were saying, can we please give to these to other saints that are in need? This is, this is an honour. Can we possibly be a part of this opportunity? They saw it completely different than how we would see it in our Western mindset. Can we have this honour? And I thought about that, and, and I thought about the Red Sea. You know, my, my, my heart, has, I felt God's been telling us a lot about the Red Sea because it felt like a two-year walk, walking through the Red Sea, and the waters are up. And go, Lord, the waters are up. This is amazing. Keep them up. Because we've seen miracle after miracle from the beginning. From two years ago, we can go back and just go, all the miracles that got us here. I mean, that seven-minute video is to show us, remind us, look at the miracles. The renovation was a miracle of God for us as a church. There's so much has happened. And, and, and but, you know, when the Red Sea, please don't let it fall, don't let it fall, don't let it fall for two years. I mean, we, we trust God. If it's up there, if he's got it up there, he's going to keep it up there. But when they all got through, and I thought about that, children of Israel is about two to three million people. That's a, that's a long walk. They walked all night to get across. It, first of all, split up all night, and then they walked the next day. And then I thought about that. I thought, Lord, there's no other way. When they got through, if you hear the story, the Pharaoh came into the chariots. The elite army, the best of the best army, the best of the best chariot fighters, the best of the best of their elite warriors were following them in their chariots, and they all got drowned. That water, when they did get through, God said to Moses, stretch forth your hand. Moses stretched forth his hand, and the waters came down. God didn't do it. God said to Moses, you stretch forth your hand. When he stretched it, when it was time, the waters came down, and the, the elite strong army of the Egyptians were totally destroyed. And there's no chance, well, Pharaoh's dead after that. There's no chance for Pharaoh to go, hey, let's go after him. If they didn't walk across that Red Sea and they stayed this side, Pharaoh could have changed his mind a week later, a month later. I know he already, was, he already changed his mind straight away and he, and he followed him. But if he didn't follow them, it wouldn't have been a complete victory. That's my point. It wouldn't have been a complete, absolute breakthrough victory. And if we did have that breakthrough victory, yeah, please come up with worship guys. If we did have that breakthrough victory, I would love to see our people go, no, Leo, please, no. GGC, please give us the opportunity, the honour to give in this giving, this opportunity to give. I don't want to miss out on what God's, I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to sow for the kingdom and its purposes here on earth. This is my opportunity to give. It's having that heart, even if everything was paid for. Imagine, wouldn't it have been an amazing miracle that we would say, no, stop, stop, it's enough. You've given more than enough, we've just paid the building off. That's an amazing miracle, isn't it? I'm, I'm believing for that. I'm putting my faith out for that. Believe with me. Because this is something only God can do. Amen? Thanks for listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.